Shalom and welcome to The Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. We are all familiar with the term, making a deal with the devil. What exactly does this mean? What does the devil want from the deal? And what do we pay for making the deal with the devil? This question, in a certain dimension, will answer what Pharaoh wanted from the Jewish people and what so many other kings and kingdoms who on the one hand seem to despise us and yet on the other hand refuse to let us go by banishing us from their kingdom or by annihilating us, heaven forbid. Haman, the Spanish Inquisition, and Hitler, may their names be erased, wanted us dead. This is the lineage of Amalek, in which they want nothing from us but our obliteration, heaven protect us. However, Pharaoh didn't want us dead and didn't want us banished from his midst, although the verse clearly states, and they, the Jews, were as thorns in their eyes. Nevertheless, Pharaoh wanted us to exist in Egypt, only that we be subordinate servants to him, not the other 69 nations of the world, but specifically us. Why? Well, what we have here are two modern-day issues to deal with. A. What happens when we make a deal with the devil and how to get back our soul from the devil? And B. What lies behind the anti-Semitism of the Pharaonian style? We will discover the answer to these questions through a mimer delivered by the Rebbe in 1958, exploring the four terms of redemption in this week's Torah portion. This portion begins with God sending a message through Moses to the children of Israel. I quote the verses. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am God and I will take you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will save you from their labor and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments and I will take you to me as a people. These two verses are the reason for the four cups of wine at the Passover Seder. The verses express four different terms of redemption. Let's go through them. Vehotseti, and I will take you out. Vihitsalti, and I will save you. Vigoalti, and I will redeem you. And the fourth one, Vilakakti, and I will take you. The sages discuss these four terminologies of redemption on two levels. A, they all refer to the redemption from Egypt. Or B, they refer to the redemption of the four exos, exiles to follow Egypt. There is one, the exile of Babylon. Two, the exile of Persia Media. 3. The Exile of Greece, and 4. The Exile of Rome, the Roman Exile. Being that the Exile of Egypt is the prototype of all the future exiles, and the Exodus from Egypt is the prototype for all the future redemptions, thus within the verses of the Exodus of Egypt we find reference to the redemption of all future exiles. We are now still in the fourth exile, and thus, according to the second interpretation, the four terminologies also include our final redemption through Mashiach. There are actually teachings that the first two cups of the Seder at the, represents the redemption from Egypt, while the latter two cups of wine at the Seder represent the final redemption. Even deeper yet, we are taught that in our prayers, in the blessing of redemption, that in our morning prayers after the Shema, before the Amidah, we say eight times the word Emet, four times in the first paragraph, Emet V'yatziv, and four times in the second paragraph, Ezrat. And our sages explain each of these four times that we say Emet to be referring to the four terminologies of redemption in our verses. The difference is that the first four is referring to the redemption of Egypt. 
that we speak about in the closing portion of Shema, while the four in the second paragraph are referring to the final redemption. Thus, we now have two distinct categories of redemption in our verses, the four that refer to the exodus of Egypt and the four that refer to the final redemption. To understand this, we will have to first explore the four letters of God's ineffable tetragrammaton, the exile of the ineffable tetragrammaton, and the exodus of the ineffable tetragrammaton through teshuva, repentance and return. And now, for the list of the mystical concepts we need to explore in order to understand this lecture. A. What the devil wants from us. B. The price we pay. C. The meaning of teshuva. D. Teshuva ila'a and teshuva tata'a. And finally, E. Havaya de le'ela and Havaya de le'tata. And let the amazement of Hasidus begin. To understand what the devil wants from us, we will need to first understand the difference between the face-to-face relationship through which holiness and purity receives their life force from God and the back-to-back relationship through which evil and impurity receive their life force from God. For there is only one life force, which is God, from which all receive life, good and evil, purity and impurity. Face-to-face means that the internal essence of divinity is being transmitted. The Hebrew word for face is panim, which also means internal panimiyot. In spirituality, the difference between internal and external is that internal is the infinite essence, and external means finite expression. Thus, face-to-face is the relationship through which the infinite essence is transmitted. For this, the recipient must be absolutely humble and absolutely transparent to God. However, that which is egocentric, arrogant, and rebellious is not open to receive face-to-face internal infinite essence, and therefore receives only through a back-to-back relationship, in which there is the great symptom, contraction, and concealment, which removes the infinite essence from the relationship and transmission, and all that remains is the external finite expression of the separated light of God. Klipa, which means husk, covering and concealment upon the light, and impurity, senses the lack of wholesomeness in their life force, and therefore feel a deep lack in their existence. To understand this, let us explore why God created Klippa, evil, at all. The answer is that the face-to-face relationship is also defined as Pnimiut Haratzon, the internal will of God, while the back-to-back is defined as Chitzoniut Haratzon, the external will. What this means is that when I want a person, place, or thing for no other reason than I want it, the want and the relationship is internal. However, when I want a person, place, or thing, not because I want it, but I want something else that it brings to me, then the want and the relationship is external. God's want for the existence of evil is not because God wants evil. What God wants is the freedom of choice that the existence of evil offers mankind. Freedom of choice depends upon the possibility of two choices, good and evil. Evil's very existence feels that its entire existence is external. Its entire life force is external, and therefore evil feels lacking on an existential level. However, evil knows that the Jew, who has within him a soul that is truly a piece of God, and a body upon which God has proclaimed his love, that this Jew has a face-to-face internal will of infinite essence relationship with God. The only way for evil to connect with infinite essence, life force, is through the Jew. 
and therefore Pharaoh looked to make the Jew his ultimate subordinate slave, his property, so that the Jew and the Jew's life force belong and travel through him. This is what the devil wants for us, from us. And for this, he promises us a vast amount of external abundance of wealth, fame, power, and beauty. So, what is the price that we pay for agreeing to become subordinate to evil? The price we pay on an emotional level is clothing ourselves in evil's experience of existence as we begin to feel an existential lacking in our being, a loss of true purpose, meaning, and fulfillment, which evolves into guilt, lack of self-respect, and lack of self-love. Now let us look at this from a mystical point of view. The punishment for sin is 39 lashes. Why 39? God's ineffable tetragrammaton is made up of the letters Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey. When you spell out the letters in Hebrew as we just did in English, there is Yud. Yud is Yud, Vav, Dalet. Hey, Hey is Hey, Aleph. Vav is Vav, Aleph, Vav. Numerically, this translates to Yud equals 20, Hey equals 6, Vav equals 13, which totals 39. What does this all mean? What it means is that the last letter of God's name, the second Hey, is what rests within us, our soul. When we become subordinate to evil, we have now kidnapped and forced the second Hey into becoming a life force to evil, back to back, an external will. The 39 lashes are the first three letters of God's name, the yud Hey vav fighting to get back their letter, second Hey. This is what happens to us when we have shattered our inner omnipotent name of God, which makes us feel shattered and lacking. This is what happens to us when we sin and we force the Hey within us to participate, serve, and become a conduit to evil. Our forcing God, the hay of his name, into exile is what evolves into our physical experience of exile. Thus, redemption is all about returning the hay to its place. This is the mystical meaning of the word teshuva, which spells out two words, tashuv, hay, return, the letter hay. This now leads us to understand the redemption and teshuva are synonymous. And thus our sages teach us the children of Israel will not be redeemed but through teshuva. Taking this to the next level teaches us that the four different terms of redemption in our verses are referring to four different stages of teshuva. And taking this to its ultimate level teaches us that there are four levels of teshuva, which is as the four terms of redemptions refer to the exodus from Egypt, and then there are the four levels of teshuva, which are the four terms of redemption, referring to the final redemption. Well then, we now have the journey of our lecture laid out before us. Let us begin with a terminology used in Talmud. Shtayim shehin arba, two, which is four. When we need to bring two things together, as in our case of teshuva and bringing together the second hay to the yud hay vav, there are two paths, bringing the hay up to the yud hay vav, and bringing the yud vav down to the second hay. These two paths are known as from a below to above, which means from bringing the second hay to up to the yud vav, and from above the yud vav to below, second hay here below. Additionally, Kabbalah defines that there are two categories of teshuva, a higher teshuva and b lower teshuva. Now we explained earlier that teshuva means tashuv hay, return the letter hay. 
Thus, higher teshuva means to return the higher hay, and lower teshuva means to return the lower hay. What does this mean? In the ineffable tetragrammaton, there are two hays. There is yud hay, and there is vav hay. The first hay is the higher hay, and refers to the intellect emanation of understanding. And the second hay is the lower hay, and refers to the emotion emanation of kingship. Thus, we now have the two, which is four. There are the two tosh of hay, returning the hay, the higher hay and the lower hay, and each of them have the two forms of bringing together the above with the below. There is bringing the first hay up to the yud, and bringing the yud down to the first hay. And then there are the two of bringing the second hay up to the vav, and bringing the vav down to the second hay. Let us first understand how this works in the lower teshuva. The second hay is the emanation of kingship, and the teshuva bringing this hay up to the vav is the process of the first portion of the Shema, where is, which is all about simply accepting the king's sovereignty over us, accepting God as our king. This is the first and founding step of teshuva in restoring our relationship with God. The way this relationship is established is based on the simple lower fear of God, in the sense that God is our king, and that God is always present, standing over us, exploring our mind and hearts. This is the fulfillment of the first clause in the verse, turn away from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. So the first clause is, turn away from evil. The letter Vav is shaped as a Yud on top, with a line coming down. This represents the second portion of the Shema, which is all about accepting upon ourselves the King's commandments, the 630 mitzvot. The way this relationship is established is based upon the lower love of God, in which we see the goodness and the blessing in living God's way of life, our acceptance of God's commandments. This is the fulfillment of the second clause in the verse, and do good. The acceptance of God as our King, lower fear, and the acceptance of God's commandments, lower love, are the two forms of the lower teshuva, bringing the second hay and the vav, restoring the lower letters of God's omnipotent name within us. Now let us understand how higher teshuva works. The third clause in the verse is, Seek peace. Peace refers to this Torah. Thus we're talking about Torah study. As our sages state, he who studies the Torah for its own sake fam makes peace in the upper family and the lower family, as it is written, or let him take hold of my strength, the Torah, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. To understand how the study of Torah brings peace, let us see where the Torah comes from on a mystical level. The Zohar states, the Torah from wisdom goes out. From this teaching, two mystical concepts are understood. A. The Torah comes out from wisdom, but manifests itself and is studied and understood in the emanation of understanding. And the second thing we learn out from this is that it only comes out through wisdom, but in essence is from the supernal crown higher than wisdom. Thus we now have the Torah as it is studied in the higher hay, understanding, and we have the Torah as it is studied in the Yud, wisdom, supernal crown.
When we study the Torah as it is in understanding, and we, we are bringing peace to the family below, which is mankind, understanding is the mother of emotions and brings an all-encompassing higher dimension into our lower faculties of emotion, as an adult's emotions are more peaceful than a child's. This is the form of from below to above within the higher tshuva, bringing the higher hay up to the yud, understanding up to wisdom. When we study the Torah as it is in wisdom, then we are bringing peace to the higher family of angels. This is the form from, of, from above to below within the higher tshuva, bringing down the yud to the higher hay. The difference between learning Torah with understanding, higher hay, lower dimension of Torah, and with wisdom, yud, higher dimension of Torah, is that when we study Torah with understanding, we are engaging our intellectual capacity to dissect, define, and dominate over the Torah, which is the experience of higher love. When we are studying the Torah with wisdom, we are loosening the tight grip and limitations of our intellectual faculties, opening up our mind to receive from a higher creativity, which is the experience of higher fear, awe. Understanding is performed with ego, while wisdom is performed with humility. However, through the study of Torah, through understanding and through wisdom, we are restoring the first two letters of God's name, the first He with the Yud. All of this is the teshuva of the four terminologies of redemption as they are in the exodus from Egypt. Then there are the four terminologies of redemption as they are in the final redemption. We won't have to go over the four levels of teshuva, for they are the same in principle. What differs is primarily the name of God. The verse in Exodus says, And God passed before Moses and proclaimed, God, God. Why does it say twice God, and why is there a pause in between them? The name God in its Hebrew spelling leads towards two meanings. A. Mahave brings into existence. And B. The words Hoya, Hoive, and Yiyah past, present, and future, denoting that God transcends above time, and therefore for God the past, present, and future coexist as one. The first meaning is how the name of God relates to the universe. It is Mahave, it creates, and is called the lower Havaya, while the second meaning is the name of God as it exists unto God, transcending above and beyond creation, and is called the higher Havaya. The lower Havaya refers to God as a creator, while the higher Havaya refers to God as God stands unto Himself. All of the four different levels of Teshuvah, as we explain them concerning the Exodus from Egypt, all speak of the person who is doing the Teshuvah as a finite being. All of these levels of Teshuvah is restoring the name of God as God is the person's creator, Mahave, and as the name of God descends into the realm definition and limitations of creation, nature, and its finite life force. This is the name of God as it transforms and descends beneath the pause in between the two names. The higher Havaya is where the person breaks beyond his limitations as an egocentric creation, and from the essence core of his soul, he connects with God as God stands unto himself. This is the name of God as it stands above the pause in between. In closing, when we make a deal with the devil, we have fractured our inner making, the name of God within us. Practically speaking, when we flirt, or worse, to get what we want, when we lie, when we desecrate our morals in order to get external abundance, we have fractured the holy, pure, and omnipotent name of God within us. In turn, we feel fractured 
at a total lack of peace with ourselves. The way to restore the omnipotent name of God within us and to find inner peace and wholesomeness within ourselves is to do teshuva. What is most important from everything that we discussed here is to know that teshuva is never about living in the past, living in the shame and guilt of what we did. Rather, teshuva is always about restoring the name of God within us now, in the present. This happens through two primary steps. A. Turn away from evil. In other words, we need to stop making deals with the devil. And B. Do good, which means do selfless acts of goodness. This is how we restore the omnipotent name of God within us. This is how we break out of any deals with the devil. And this is how we find inner peace and wholeness. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here at the platform of the Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.